tended to play a little too much hero ball. It's a no-brainer selection for Jacksonville. I believe he's a true leader in every sense of the word. I just fear for your fan base that that's what's going to happen. It's time for the finale episode of the Ultimate Mock Draft 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. As you know, listening over the first five days, this is the most comprehensive and in-depth mock draft you are going to find. And here on day six, not only do we finish round one, but we get into round two and three. Every team in the NFL covered here on the Ultimate Mock Draft. Local insights, expert analysis, insider information from Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenforum, everyone from the Odyssey Studios, as well as the college shows here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And of course, us, your hosts, Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson from the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. And with that, it's Ryan Tracy pulling double duty here as host of Locked On Chiefs to bring us home pick 29 back-to-back selections here by the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you think the Kansas City Chiefs do here? Wide receiver is an obvious need with these two first-round selections, but there's been a run on wide receivers. Is there anything left for them here? Yeah, I mean, they have a ton of picks, so they could have probably been in the trade-up market, and maybe they will be, you know, come Thursday night or, you know, Friday. Um, wide receiver is the one everyone's staring at and talking about, but I don't know that it's as big a need as people make it out to be. I mean, it's not as big a need as Green Bay, for example, but that certainly can factor in. I'm just not sure who that wideout would be at this point. There's been, there has been a run on those guys. Their pass rush was an underreported um, bad issue last year. This team is not short on needs at all. I mean, I'm looking at like Ebiketti, or Boye Mafe come in as a designated pass rusher. Um, you know they're going to score points, and the, the opponent's going to have to throw a lot. I know you won't approve of this, but I could see a case for Brees Hall. You know, I mean, just a, a more well-rounded running back and just change how you play defense a little bit. Um, frankly, I'm shocked that Trent McDuffie's on the board, and I also adore Daxton Hill, but you could also make a case for Elam. I mean... Any defensive back wouldn't be a bad move for them either. They lost Charvarius Ward in free agency, yeah, so yeah. a ton of needs there. And I think on the defensive side of the ball is probably the way you could go if you're not going to go wide receiver if you're the Kansas City Chiefs here uh, a number of ways. But one thing they should absolutely not be doing is drafting a running back. They already made that mistake <laughs> two years ago, Matt. Come on. I hear you. I hear you. I just I, I say this all the time. I just think that Andy Reid walks out to practice, sees Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and says, man, I wish you were Jonathan Taylor. And I could look, Brees Hall is a better prospect than Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but sure. that doesn't mean he should be a first round pick. But they've got an extra pick to play with. Will they have fun with that uh, second one? We'll find out. Let's go to pick 29. Ryan Tracy ready with a selection for the Kansas City Chiefs with their first selection in the Ultimate Mock Draft. In number 29, the Kansas City Chiefs select Daxton Hill, Safety, University of Michigan, coming in at six foot, 192 pounds. From the state of Oklahoma, even though he played at Michigan, he's brother of Justice Hill, former Oklahoma State running back that's now a running back for the Baltimore Ravens. Ran a blazing 4-3-8-40 at the Combine this year, including a three-cone drill of 6-5-7, showing how athletic he was. That was number one among safeties at the Combine. Also, was 4-0-6 time in the 20-yard shuttle was number one again with safeties at the NFL Combine uh, this year. But the one thing about him is 
He could play different positions. Could play that slot corner. Matter of fact, some, even some scouts will say he could play corner full-time in the National Football League. So a guy that lines up in the slot, a lot like you saw with Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. Now the Chiefs, probably not going to bring the Honey Badger back. Doesn't look like he's already made a few visits with other teams. They've already gone a different direction. Bring in Justin Reed, the safety from the Houston Texans, that played in the slot, played on the line, played the safety role. But more and more guys playing that safety hybrid role in the National Football League. And Steve Spagnola, defensive coordinator with the Chiefs, a former defensive back guy. I can just see all kinds of roles for Dax Hill with the Chiefs. And I understand, you know, a lot of people going wide receiver, they're going edge rusher, all positions the Kansas City Chiefs need. But could there be a run on safeties early in the second round? Should you grab him at the end of the first round? I think possibly you should. Guy that especially does all these roles when you're losing, you know, Charvarius Ward, the corner to the 49ers, losing the losing two safeties and Tyron Matthew and Dan Sorensen. Grab him before there's a full run on safeties. I think he's the best safety in the draft behind Kyle Hamilton, right above Lewis Seen and Jalen Petrie that I like as well. But Dax Hill, certainly that athleticism that you want at the hybrid safety position. And it's Dax Hill out of Michigan, the do-it-all safety slot defender. You can put him pretty much anywhere on the defense, and with offenses going positionless football, a positionless defender makes a whole lot of sense for a very good team and a plug-and-play starter no matter where you put him for Kansas City. Yeah, and the Honey Badger isn't back. He can be used very similarly, except he's much taller. Frankly, he's a better athlete, and he's younger. You know, I mean, that doesn't mean he's as good a player as Tyron Matthew, but um, he can be a big slot for you. He can blitz. He can play single high. I, I love Dax Hill. I mean, I've done so much Steeler talk, and I've been pushing for him at 20. So you can get him at, what's this, 29. Great. We've got some breaking news here, Matt. Before we hear from our Odyssey insider in Kansas City, Jay Binkley, I uh, don't have the exact details on the trade yet, but Kansas City is not making back-to-back picks right oh. now. They have moved out of round one with their second selection at 30 back with more information here about who will be selecting at pick number 30 next but let's find out about this selection of daxton hill to kansas city from our odyssey insider jay binkley number 29 the kansas city chiefs select daxton hill safety university of michigan coming in at six foot 192 pounds from the state of oklahoma even though he played at michigan He's brother of Justice Hill, former Oklahoma State running back that's now a running back for the Baltimore Ravens. Ran a blazing 4-3-8-40 at the Combine this year, including a three-cone drill of 6-5-7, showing how athletic he was. That was number one among safeties at the Combine. Also was 4-0-6 time in the 20-yard shuttle, was number one again with safeties at the NFL Combine uh, this year. But the one thing about him is, he could play different positions, could play that slot corner. Matter of fact, some, even some scouts will say he could play corner full-time in the National Football League. So a guy that lines up in the slot, a lot like you saw with Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. Now the Chiefs, probably not going to bring the Honey Badger back. Doesn't look like he's already made a few visits with other teams. They've already gone a different direction. Bring in Justin Reed, the safety from the Houston Texans, that played in the slot, played on the line played the safety role, but more and more guys playing that safety hybrid role in the National Football League. And Steve Spagnola, defensive coordinator with the Chiefs, a former defensive back guy. I can just see all kinds of roles for Dax Hill with the Chiefs. And I understand, you know, a lot of people going wide receiver, 
They're going edge rusher. All positions the Kansas City Chiefs need. But could there be a run on safeties early in the second round? Should you grab him at the end of the first round? I think possibly you should. Guy that especially does all these roles when you're losing. You know, Charvarius Ward, the corner to the 49ers, losing the losing two safeties and Tyron Matthew and Dan Sorensen. Grabbing before there's a full run on safeties. I think he's the best safety in the draft behind Kyle Hamilton, right above Lewis Seen and Jalen Petrie that I like as well. But Dax Hill, certainly that athleticism that you want at the hybrid safety position. We've got Isaiah Hole standing by, locked on Michigan Wolverines host on Daxton Hill, the Michigan product. Daxton Hill is Michigan Swiss Army knife, or was Michigan Swiss Army knife on defense, uh, and certainly a leader at the safety position. Uh, while he is a safety, and that's probably where he will end up at the next level, he can play corner. He has that speed. He has that athleticism. Michigan played him in nickel a lot. They started him at nickel in his freshman season. He played three years at Michigan. And he was put in a lot of different positions. He is also really good at blitzing. We started to see that this year. Uh, You can put him on the edge. You can blitz him from other places around the field. Uh, He he has good hands. He can intercept the ball. But what he's really known for is his speed and athleticism. He has a little bit of everything that you want in a defensive player. Now, he might not have the flashiest of stats. But aside from Aiden Hutchinson, he was probably Michigan's best player on defense. But... He's the kind of guy that does everything right. He can make up for mistakes by using his athleticism. And you know what? He comes from an NFL pedigree. His brother, Justice Hill, is running back in the NFL as well. So interested to see where he goes. Uh, certainly could see him being a first-round type because he is that type of talent. Okay, Matt, it is the Minnesota Vikings who are now on the clock. Luke Braun making moves, already drafted Derek Stingley, number 12 overall earlier in the first round, and now they have moved up with the Kansas City Chiefs, Minnesota, ready to go for the second time in round one. Pick number 30, the Vikings giving up pick 46, their second round selection, pick 77, their third round selection, and pick 156 to move up 16 selections to go from round two to round one here at pick 30. What do you think the target is for those Minnesota Vikings? And uh, does this make sense for Kansas City to be going down with all their extra picks instead of moving up in this class? It, it, it would if, you know, on day two, you start moving up like crazy. You know, you don't need to make 14 picks. They're not going to make the Chiefs roster. But if they realize I just not a receiver here that I can take this early, you know, maybe you take two on you know day two in the second and third rounds. I don't understand the motivation for Minnesota, to be honest. I mean, could they want one of the remaining quarterbacks on a five-year deal? You know, that I know they drafted Mond last year, but that didn't seem like a successful story at all. You know, the if you could have this quarterback you trade up for take over the starting job and his third year and you have them for two more after that, I guess that would make some sense. Um, is there a reason you have to get in front of the Bengals? Is, um, and to me, that maybe that's Linderbaum. You know, I mean, the, the, the center, the similar center they drafted in Minnesota a few years ago has not worked out as well, but I'm not sure I see the motivation. I could see Linderbaum maybe secondary trying to get in front of Cincinnati, although the Vikings already addressed the secondary with their first pick right, right. in round one. Or... Does the slide finally end for Kenny Pickett? One of the big storylines yeah. so far through the ultimate mock draft. Kenny Pickett out of pit, the quarterback still available. The pick is in number 30, Minnesota Vikings trading up Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings with the selection.
With the 30th pick in the Ultimate Mock Draft, the Vikings trade up and select Trent McDuffie, cornerback out of Washington. Look, when I selected Derek Stingley at pick 12, I told you we needed corners. We need corners, plural. So I'm forcing the issue here, all right? I am sick of talking myself into Holton Hills and Chris Boyd's and Cordrea Tankersley's. It's time to just go get a guy that's going to be the guy. And look, Trent McDuffie, a lot of people say he needs to slot into the nickel. I don't know if he necessarily needs to. Um, I think he can maybe rotate between the nickel and outside, depending on, on need and depending on how Patrick Peterson is and depending on if Derek Stingley is the guy we think he is and all that stuff. Make that a decision you make in camp. I'm just getting dudes in the building. He's smaller than you wish he was, and that's kind of the only downside with him. He's heady. He's going to understand the defense. He's going to be able to sort of, um, he's going to be able to play a lot of roles. He's going to be able to read defenses. He's going to be able to read quarterbacks, click and close and all that stuff. He plays a much different style than the other cornerback that I got here. And that is a good thing that that versatility and that variety and skill sets is something that I'm looking to give Ed Donatel for that Vic Fangio defense. So I double dipped on corners. I traded up. Um, the price was picks 46, 77, and 156 to move up to pick 30. So go attack your biggest need is what Luke Braun did here for the Minnesota Vikings. And maybe Trent McDuffie is a player that he was considering drafting at 12 and said, you know what? I cannot let this slide happen any further. And you have a player now that you can move inside. You can play him outside with Stingley and really just attacking that defensive secondary for the Minnesota Vikings. I kind of like it. You know, corner was so much of a problem for them. And I, I like when teams just really attack a need and go double, you know, put two, two big uh, resources right in there. Stingley and McDuffie are very different. You know, one's more toolsy. McDuffie's more slot, more zone. But if I were doing Williamson's big board, McDuffie would probably be the 15th or 16th best player overall. So I can see trading up for somebody like that if you have a similar grade on. Absolutely. Let's find out more about the selection of Trent McDuffie to Minnesota from Jason Lockenfora. The Minnesota Vikings trading into pick 30 to take corner Trent McDuffie from Washington. A very interesting proposition. First of all, I don't think the Chiefs will be eager to trade this pick. They're going to see value in this pick. And I believe they're eyeing someone like Michigan injured pass rusher David Ajabo to be the pick here, to get the fifth-year option on him, to be able to have him recover from surgery in his rookie year, but still have four years of contract flexibility with him. I think the Minnesota Vikings are going to be all about taking a corner at 12. They've been linked to several players, and McDuffie's certainly one of the best corners in this draft. His size is a concern for some teams who prize longer corners more than others. And I do think, again, at 12, that the Vikings are looking at someone like Derek Stingley or Sauce Gardner if they're there. Now, it's such a position of need, and they've been so clear about their intent to upgrade there that they may want to double down on it. The price they're paying here, pick 46, 77, and 156, seems reasonable for me to get a corner of this value in this spot. Again, I'm just not sure that this is where the Chiefs will be as an organization. The Chiefs weren't as aggressive and active this offseason as in years past. The Chiefs have seen players like Tyreek Hill leave. The Chiefs know they need to continue to add bite to their defense, both around the line of scrimmage with D-linemen, 
guys with their hands down, and also what a Tyron Matthew gave them out in space and around the line of scrimmage. Knowing those needs and knowing how deep this receiver draft is, again, I'm not sure the Chiefs really want to trade out of this area. I think they're comfortable there. I think they like developmental pass rush there. I know they'll like some wide receiver talent there. But maybe this Vikings offer is just too good to refuse. Spencer McLaughlin covers the Pac-12 for the Locked On Podcast Network, has the inside info on Trent McDuffie and his outstanding career for the Huskies. McDuffie is not the biggest cornerback that will be taken in this year's draft. And I think that when you look at his NFL prospects, the thing that pops off the screen the most is his explosive speed. He would do very well to go to a team that runs a lot of zone defensively because his ability to read coverages and use that explosive get off and make tackles in space, which he's very willing to do. He loves coming downhill, even though he's not a big guy, about 5'11", right around 200 pounds, maybe a little bit under that, according to his measurements. He's a guy who's going to be able to be at his best when he is making reads in coverage and when he is making plays coming downhill, tracking guys down in space. Hasn't faced a lot of NFL talent. He'll have to make that adjustment. But from a speed, explosive, and grittiness perspective, he certainly has NFL traits. Next, we will finish up round one of the ultimate mock draft picks 31 and 32. The Cincinnati Bengals currently on the clock, followed by the Detroit Lions, and then on to round two and three. And those teams that did not have first round selections coming up, the 2022 ultimate mock draft. The Cincinnati Bengals, Matt, have really done a great job. Obviously, they were a Super Bowl team, so they were good already, but they've attacked needs this offseason. They've done a really good job of building this thing from the ground up behind their star quarterback in Joe Burrow. So which direction do they go here? You talked a little bit about maybe Tyler Linderbaum being the best player available, fitting a need for this team. A couple of defensive backs just went off the board at 29 and 30 that I believe the Cincinnati Bengals could have absolutely been looking at as well. And still some really good defensive backs on the board. Yeah, I guess Linderbaum would make some sense. I wasn't thinking that direction at all just because they signed Karras, but Karras could bump the guard and Linderbaum's a really good player. Um, I think it's a corner though. I mean, if you look at the Bengals draft history, uh, you and I did these draft ditties a couple of weeks ago. I mean, like every pick was either offense or a corner. So uh, the, a traits guy like Elam from Florida is, is screaming Cincinnati here. I guess you could also make a case maybe for the third linebacker off the board. You know, Walker from Georgia would probably be that guy. You know, someone in the back seven. Locked on Bengals, ready to go. Pick 31, Jake Lisko and James Rapine, the hosts of Locked on Bengals with the pick. With the 31st pick in the ultimate mock draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Tyler Linderbaum, center from Iowa. My co-host Jake Lisko and I, well, we debated about this pick a lot and ultimately settled on Tyler Linderbaum because we feel like he's one of the best players in this draft, one of the best offensive linemen in this draft class. And the fact that he's still available at 31, it was an absolute no-brainer at the end of the day. But that didn't mean that we did not consider drafting George Karloftis, the defensive end out of Purdue. The Bengals could absolutely use another edge rusher, but ultimately protecting Joe Burrow, the decision uh, to protect Joe Burrow and invest even more resources in the offensive line, well, it won out. Kyer Elam also got some consideration, but Linderbaum, his athleticism, 
his ability to make a difference in the run game. He's a nasty offensive lineman. And I know there are some concerns about his arms in a 31 inch arms at the center position. But if you're the Bengals, you look at it, his athleticism, he's a special player. And I think he's going to be a day one starter. The Bengals complete their offensive line transformation by adding Tyler Linderbaum with the 31st overall pick. Okay, it's the center, Tyler Linderbaum. A little bit of a slide for Linderbaum. I think you watch his tape at Iowa and so sound, so athletic as a center, but I think there is potential for a slide for Linderbaum like we saw here in the Ultimate Mock Draft just because traits-wise, a little short-armed, you know, sub-300 pounds. He's not going to be a fit for every team. No, that's the problem is there's probably any given offseason four or five of the 32 teams even in the center market, and he has to be a zone run blocking team almost entirely. So that takes, you know, the potential suitors out of the mix. And as you said, you know, the short arms and things, the, the stuff since he put great tape out and his tape is awesome. Haven't been friendly to him. And I do like the centers in the third, fourth round of this draft too. So a lot of teams like to say, ah, we'll take the pass rusher and get a third round center. So a lot of things working against him, but this is kind of a great pick. I mean, it, it to me it completes the Bengals offensive line overhaul and completes their offense he would be a great player for them protect Joe Burrow at all costs yeah, yeah. and uh, I love that move for the Cincinnati Bengals here how does Mark Herzlick our Odyssey insider feel about the move for Cincinnati taking Tyler Linderbaum the center out of Iowa at 31 the Cincinnati Bengals can get Tyler Linderbaum at that 31st pick, that they they got to steal. I mean, Ty, he he's one of the best centers that we've seen come out uh, of college in a long time, not just in his skill set, but just his preparation, his agility, his ability to get off the ball and strike. He's got great pad level um, due to you know, just a little bit of shorter height, but at center, that doesn't really matter. And so, you know, what he's done just in college, I think it has really developed him and his mental acuity to be a... You know, pro Bowl, All Pro type center. So, you know, anytime you can get someone like that towards the end of the draft, you will snatch him up. And again, if if he wasn't a center, uh, he would be much higher. So, I, I I really like him. I think that it's a great great pick for the Bengals. Um, and you know, bring him in, build around him, get that uh, type of offensive scheme where he's firing off the ball and attacking uh, because that's what he is best at. Our Hawkeyes expert, Andrew Way, the host of Locked On Hawkeyes, covering Iowa for the Locked On Podcast Network to tell us more about Tyler Linderbaum and his outstanding career in college. Do not let the combine talk fool you. Although Tyler is a bit undersized, with shorter than usual arms by today's NFL standards, the tape speaks for itself, as do the advanced analytics. Tyler stood out and graded out as the nation's premier center last season and allowed just one sack in seven total pressures and 457 passing snaps. In the rushing attack, Tyler Linderbaum can be a mauler who is able to quickly get to the next level and take on second-level defenders to clear pass for the running game. As a former wrestler, he does a great job with hand placement and technique and has a motor that is going to make every single GM wish they had 22 Tyler Linderbaum's. Although positional value will cause Linderbaum's stock to slip a little bit, 
and his draft value to slip a little bit. Whatever team picks up the former Hawkeye center will be happy with that they did, as he will likely cement himself as a top three center by the end of his rookie contract. Here we go, Matt. We have made it to the end of round one. Still more picks to come from those teams that did not have first round selections. Pick 33. The Buffalo Bills are getting ready, Joe Marino, to make that selection uh, after this. But the Detroit Lions, they already picked at 32. Aiden Hutchinson, the local product, and a, and a fantastic selection by Matt Derry, who's ready to go at pick 32 now to finish round one. I'm going to say it every pick probably at this point for any team that could remotely need a quarterback. Is this where Kenny Pickett's slide ends, or is he going to get out of the first round? Has to be. I mean... There's a plenty of intriguing defensive players to add here, and the Lions could use all of them. But, man, I mean, to get Pickett in this situation on a five-year deal, and not that you know he needs a ton of time, but you don't have to rush him in. You can move on from Goff and even Goff's contract. I mean, if Pickett's even the equal player to Goff, and you would expect him to be even better, you save – I don't know, like $30 million on your cap and you get vastly younger at the most important position, that's definitely worth the 30-second pick. I could see the only argument against Pickett. Well, first of all, if you just maybe don't have him graded that highly. Yeah, but you might not like him. Right. Is he maybe a little too similar to Jared Goff in a sort of a small-handed, yes. accurate, but maybe doesn't handle pressure well sort of way? And you think, well, are we just getting the next Jared Goff if we draft Kenny Pickett here? And Goff throws the ball better than Pickett. He does have a better pure arm, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, first pick in the draft for a reason. Um, but, yeah, they're a little redundant. <laughs> I, I, I can see that argument. Okay, I talked Matt Williamson out of it. No kitty picking here. <laughs> I don't know. Let's find out. Matt Derry is ready with the selection at 32 for the Detroit Lions. With the 32nd pick in the Locked On Ultimate Mock Draft, the Detroit Lions select safety Lewis Seen out of Georgia. This is a no-brainer for Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. They need some size and speed on the back end of that defense in the secondary, which was picked on a lot last year, adding a play playmaker like Lewis Seen, who many feel is as good a safety as there is in this draft, even as good as Dax Hill or Kyle Hamilton for the Lions to get him at 32 would definitely be a home run. Remember, Tracy Walker was re-signed, yes, and they got Deshaun Elliott on a one-year deal. But to get Lewis Seen in the first round and have him be a part of that safety rotation where at times Aaron Glenn's defense has three safeties on the field, would be big. Lewis seemed to be a huge addition for the Lions with this defense, a defense that in our mock draft already has picked up Aiden Hutchinson and now Lewis Seen. I really love this player. Lewis Seen, I think, is a first-round talent oh, all day wow. long. And not only did he have great tape at Georgia, but he threw down crazy workouts and, you know, height, weight, speed, everything you're looking for. A very smart player to uh, to, to really be the captain of your secondary in Lewis Seen to Detroit. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, I mean, I think he's a first-rounder all day long. All the reasons you mentioned, size, speed, all the traits, the smarts, Um He's one of the few safeties that actually can set the tone with a bone-crushing hit as well. Leadership. I bet the Lions adore him. And look, the Lions needed a lot of help on defense. And with pick two and 32, they've found a couple of players that could really be 10-year veterans and just be yeah, you know, wearing school. the C on their chest in these two players in Hutchinson and Seam. Yeah, they could be the face of the defense for a decade, like you said. Detroit Odyssey insider Mike Stone standing by to tell us more about Lewisine and his fit with the Lions. 
Even with the re-signing of Tracy Walker and the signing of Deshaun Elliott from the Ravens, safety is a position of need for the Detroit Lions. Georgia safety Lewis Seen would fit perfectly. 6'1", 200 pounds, and he is aggressive and fast, running a 4-3-7-40. He is a big-time hitter, which would thrill Lion fans all over the country. He has thrived in big games playing with the national champion Georgia Bulldogs. Now, on occasion, his run support is not the best, but that can be worked on. He also has the look of someone who would excel on special teams. He just loves football. Dan Campbell loves guys who love football. The Lions would be very happy to see him available at 32 or even at pick number 34. Wrapping up this ultimate mock draft from all of our Locked On hosts. At 29, the Kansas City Chiefs select Dax Hill, the safety slash nickel corner from Michigan. They trade out of 32, the Vikings, who then select Trent McDuffie, the corner from Washington. Bagels finish up with Tyra Linderbaum, maybe the best fit that we've seen from the starting whistle of this entire offseason. Tyra Linderbaum, the center from Iowa, goes to Cincinnati. And the Lions finish up with Lewis Seen, safety from Georgia, Interesting here that Kenny Pickett doesn't go off the board. Desmond Ritter has gone. Matt Corral has gone. We'll have more of that conversation coming up. But what stands out to you, Croc? Oh, man. I mean, again, more guys that I really like. Let's start with Daxton Hill, a guy going to the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, we talked about George Pickens and the big shoes he has to fill, playing behind uh, Devontae Adams. But now you have Daxton Hills calling, following the guy who – kind of solidified himself as a big-time player, Tyron Matthew, in that secondary for the Kansas City Chiefs. And Dexton Hill brings a lot of that same type of ability. Now, can he play to that level? We'll see. But a guy who can cover extremely well, also do some things where he's playing off at safety. But I think the, the coverage skills, that's one thing that they're going to really cover. And I love him in the nickel. A guy that can run with guys vertically. A guy who can cover all types of receivers, sizes, and not scared to stick his head in there and thump with guys running straight at him. I like that. The Minnesota Vikings trading up to draft Trent McDuffie. You know, a guy who played a ton of off coverage. Interested to see how that fit is with the Minnesota Vikings. And then you have the Bengals here. I like it. Tyler Lindebaum, get them off his line. Their quarterback always kind of on his back. He, I believe he got sacked some of the most in the NFL. If not the most, he was <laughs> definitely top three in the league. And you saw it kind of, kind of hurt them a little bit in the Super Bowl. I say a little bit because, I mean, come on now. Aaron Donald, he terrorizes all quarterbacks that are lined up across from him. So I don't want to blame the offensive line too much. It's extremely difficult to block him and Von Miller in that game. But he needed a lot of help. And, you know, I talk about the Rams game in the Super Bowl, but earlier in the playoffs, he got sacked nine times against the Tennessee Titans. Not ideal. So solidifying or working to solidify that offensive line for the Bengals, I like it. And then Lewis, he's my favorite safety in this class. My safety one, talk about somebody that shows range, speed, uh, versatility, be able to cover guys in space, come down as a thumper. Uh, and he's not the biggest of guys. But he plays like he's big. He throws his body around. I hope it doesn't lead to injuries in the NFL. But definitely a guy who I feel like fits, and I'm not going with too, a guy that fits today's what you need from a safety. I like the way that this fell. Uh, obviously, you know, I was part of the, the pick at 29. But you trade for McDuffie, I agree. That is interesting. It is going to be a changing evolution of that defense. So we'll see what that becomes. And I feel like the last two picks could be wild cards because I've had Tyler Linderbaum. I've been guilty of mocking him there pretty much 
every time I've run a mock this entire offseason because the fit is just too glaring with the value at that position. But could they throw something in there? Could they change gears on us? We saw them not necessarily prioritize the offensive line last year. Could could they double down on that? I don't think it's a smart move, but that could be a wild card. Also, the Lions, I think, that is a, a pick ripe for trade-out. We'll see who could become that pick when we get to the actual night. But this is the ultimate mock draft, and this is where we're going right now. First round is done, but we are not done in the ultimate mock draft. It would not be ultimate if we didn't hear from every single team in the NFL. So the Bills, the Bears, the Colts, Browns, 49ers, Broncos, Raiders, Dolphins, and Rams. None of those teams had first round picks, but we will hear from the hosts of those Locked On shows and get their selections into round two and three of the draft next. Here we go. Round Two, pick 33. The Buffalo Bills traded out of round one. And I kind of like how the board fell for them. Uh, before we hear from all of these hosts and get all these picks in a row here, Matt, is, is there any big names you see going into round two that you love on the board that you love any fits for? I'm a little shocked that Karloftis has not been picked. I mean, he mm-hmm. might be best available. I mean, outside of Pickett, who I think we've talked about quite a bit. Um, there's still a couple safeties I'd like. I'm real intrigued with Ajabo's eventually landing spot. I know running backs don't matter, but there's two still really good ones, you know, that I think could be massive fantasy assets as soon as this upcoming year. I, I'm not doing any cartwheels over the tight end group. Um, I like the day two linebackers as a whole quite a bit as well. So, yeah, I mean, plenty of talent. Day two is going to be fun this year. And how about Kenny Pickett? What if he slides to your Pittsburgh Steelers in the second round? Not even needing to go pick 20 for Kenny Pickett and getting the local product there. Yeah, I mean, I would be shocked if that happens with teams like Seattle and Atlanta. and I mean, the the, the bad teams that are picking the top of round two that haven't quite done anything at quarterback or even the Colts or somebody like that. But yeah, I mean, if you can get someone like that in the second round, great. And I think the same is true for Sam Howell. I mean, Sam Howell to me is a quality second round pick. Let's find out. We go to the Buffalo Bills first and the rest of the teams in rounds two and three with their selections in the Ultimate Mock Draft. With the 33rd selection of the Ultimate Mock Draft, the Buffalo Bills select Kair Elam, cornerback from Florida. The Buffalo Bills have a massive need at cornerback going into the 2022 season, and Elam has the tools to fit the role in Buffalo. He's a physical man coverage corner who can also play smart in zone. Elam's ability to make plays on the ball is something that NFL teams are going to covet at the next level. Now, he and his playmaking talent will line up across from Tredavious White to help shut down opposing wide receivers for years to come. With the 39th pick of the ultimate mock draft, the Chicago Bears select Bernard Raymond, offensive tackle, Central Michigan University. For the second straight year, the Chicago Bears land a first-round offensive tackle prospect with the 39th overall pick in the draft. Bernard Raymond is a little bit of an older prospect, but he's ready to start week one on Justin Fields' blindside. And this pick then allows them to move last year's 39th overall pick, Tevin Jenkins, to his more natural college position of right tackle and giving Fields his bookend offensive tackles for the long-term future in Chicago. Plus, they can move then right tackle Larry Borum, a fifth-round pick last year, inside to guard, and potentially improve three offensive line positions with one draft pick. 
at this spot. I didn't necessarily want to reach on a wide receiver or a defensive back and can still feel like I'm getting a potential best player available option and fill a spot that still needed some work in Chicago. As they look a little bit more toward 2023 and beyond, Raymond can be another part of this developing young group as they slowly build around Justin Fields and get that foundation in for the future. With pick number 44, the Cleveland Browns select defensive end out of Purdue University, George Karloftis. There are a lot of things to like. Karloftis may have slid here every now and then in a mock, and every now and then in the real draft, you get players who slide. George Karloftis meets a lot of things that will appeal to the Cleveland Browns. Just turned 21 about a week ago. Had a RAS score, relative athletic score, north of nine. He excelled in the explosion, the vertical jump, the broad jump, showed very well. Well there. Carries a PFF grade of 90 as a pass rusher in his days at Purdue. His run grade, very good at 75. Remember, the Browns like to have a sound run-stopping defensive end next to Miles Garrett. If there would one thing that would maybe cause a slide for a player like George Karloftis, it's his 2021 season. Only 10 tackles for loss, only four and a half sacks. Yes, he was the focal point of any offense going against him, but there will be some people in NFL front offices saying four and a half sacks in the first round. I'm not sure that's going to fly. With the 42nd selection in the ultimate mock draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Sam Howell quarterback UNC, the Tar Heels quarterback, was set to be a consensus top signal caller going into his 2021 college campaign, but lost four of his top receiving weapons and was caught running for his life through most of the year. Howell's stock might have come in much lower than anticipated, but the Colts, who did just swap Carson Wentz for Matt Ryan this offseason, won't be deterred from a golden opportunity to groom their next starting quarterback. With the 61st pick of the Ultimate Mock Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Jaquan Brisker, safety out of Penn State after much discussion in the Locked On 49ers war room with my co-host Eric Crocker about a talented safety class. We landed on Brisker as the choice in round two. Brisker is a prototype strong safety, 6'1", 200 pounds, ran an official 4'49", 40-yard dash at the scouting combine, and fills one of the immediate needs for the 49ers to complete the unit on defense from day one. You know John Lynch will appreciate the thump that Brisker brings, but he's not just a box safety, showing enough range and athleticism to cover tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. Jaquan Brisker, the choice for the 49ers. Pick number 64, the ideal candidate for the Denver Broncos here based on the locked-on NFL mock draft. We select David Ajabu, edge rusher out of Michigan. Despite the fact that he tore his Achilles at his pro day, the Broncos have a good enough roster intact as is right now to be able to take this type of risk to get an edge rusher who has a lot of upside and the Broncos have enough depth right now to be willing to wait out to see how it goes, especially with Bradley Chubb entering a significant year for his contract. It's a big time season for him and a bunch of other players behind him that have one to two year deals. Ojabo would be a key starter when returning potentially in 2023. With the 102nd pick in the 2022 Locked On Ultimate Mock Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Cole Strange, offensive lineman from Chattanooga. The Dolphins have been fairly vocal about their interest in adding competition at the center position for incumbent Michael Dieter. They opted not to go with one in free agency, and we're taking the chance that Strange, who had a good performance at the 2022 Senior Bowl, despite playing guard throughout the course of his career at Chattanooga, 
is going to be able to step in and serve as a firm interior offensive line flex player and potential rookie starter for the Dolphins as they continue to prepare in transition into Mike McDaniel's wide zone system. All right, with the next pick in the ultimate mock draft, the Los Angeles Rams select Marcus Jones, cornerback out of the University of Houston. The Rams, of course, need some work on that corner. They're going to have uh, a lot of opportunities to have guys try and grab that spot since Darius Williams is out of the mix. The Rams need some help on some offensive line. They need some depth at linebacker as well. I wouldn't even hate them dabbling in the uh, quarterback market at some point, but the first and foremost uh, area of, of need for the Rams right now is what's going on at corner and maybe not the best athlete available at this sport, but I love his physicality. I love his willingness to play inside, and that might be somebody that you can drop into the middle of the field. And all of a sudden, what had been a weakness for the Rams for the last couple of years, that middle of the field, you put a brand new corner in there, somebody that's a little bit more physical. And then, of course, you have Bobby Wagner lurking in the middle of the field. Very good news for the L.A. Rams. A ton of great selections there in rounds two and three. The ones that stand out are just the extreme slides for George Karloftis all the way down at 44 and David Ajabo. I know he's coming off of the torn Achilles there, but does he really get through that many teams, Matt, to fall to the end of round two? Those slides happen every year, though, and you should never be shocked when you do see a player that you think is a mid-round one guy still hanging out in round two. Yeah, and Ajabo's hard to comment on because I've often mocked him to the Lions at the end of the first round thinking, hey, I want that fifth year. I recently mocked him to one of the Chiefs' two late first-round picks, figuring they could wait on him. But I'm also not a doctor. You know, I mean, if the doctors around the league look at him and say, there's no chance he plays this year and this is a really bad injury, well, he's not going to be a first-round pick. Karloftis is a power player. I mean, he is a bully. He tries to run through people. That works in the Big Ten a lot better than it does in the NFC North. And I will say that sometimes fans don't get as excited about technically sound players that are power players. They want to see that speed off the edge, whereas NFL mm-hmm. teams are like, I want that guy who's an every down player who's going to come to work with his lunch pail and stop the run on first and second down as well as give me some pass rush on third downs. Coaches will love him. Love the pick for Kyrie Elam. I think he's a first round corner for the Bills to be able to trade down and still get a first round caliber cornerback in Kyrie Elam at pick number 33. Uh, Kudos to Joe Marino for that movement in this mock draft. I love it. That's maybe who I would have taken if they stood pat. Absolutely. And I think Joe Marino's probably feeling the same way about that one. One of my favorite prospects in this class from a small school, Chattanooga, is Cole Strange going to Kyle Krabs and the Miami Dolphins uh, at the end of round three at pick 102. I love that one as well. Maybe Krabs and Marino know something about this draft stuff. You know, I feel like they might even be talking (laughs) about the draft every single day on their own podcast. Yes, so uh, smart guys and great evaluators and love the Cole Strange selections and Kyrie selections as well. And They've been part of past ultimate mock drafts as well in the uh in the analyst booth good stuff by both those guys obviously not easy to forecast who you're going to get at 102 or 104 for the raiders but cole strange would be a perfect guy to you know add into that mix and what was i thought the worst offensive line in the league last year and how about sam howell quarterback of the future maybe for the colts at pick number 42 overall and by the way we never heard kenny pickett's name called even projecting him into round two for these teams yeah, I don't know what to say about Pickett. I mean, I guess may, maybe the Colts folks thought, well, I can't take Pickett. He'll be gone already. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm taking Pickett ahead of Howe. 
But I think Hal gets a little bit of the short end of the stick when you talk about these top quarterbacks because I think there's things there to work with, and that'd be an ideal landing spot for him. You know, learn behind Matt Ryan for a year or two with that line, hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Oh, yeah. And maybe eventually the Indianapolis Colts will have the same quarterback for two years in a row, and maybe that guy is Sam Hell. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> now that the ultimate mock draft has wrapped up, take a look back. Who did well? Who left some question marks? And, and what was the fit? Kenny Pickett did not go off of this board in this mock draft. I think he might be the guy that is, is primed for that number 32 spot. You never know. Did that surprise you, Croc? It, it did, but it didn't as well. I mean, again, this, these are guys, especially the quarterback position, where people weren't very high on it to start this draft process. And guys did get pushed up eventually. You had three quarterbacks go in the first round. I think even that's more than what people were anticipating when the draft process started. So Kenny Pickett being the odd man out, a little surprising. Teams start or people started to really be high on him as the QB one in this class. And as of late, you see the hype on him kind of simmering down a little bit. But I think that I don't want to say another surprising thing, but something that I don't quite understand because I think he's a terrific cornerback. Kyra Elam sliding out of the first round. We talk about Kenny Pickett. I think Elam is just as surprising as well. A guy that's big, he's fast, he's fluid, challenges himself. I love his mentality, his attitude. And he put a lot of really good things on film, but I guess not good enough because he slides out of the first round. What was surprising to you? Yeah, you know, I agree with you there. It might be the medical thing with Elam as well. The thing that surprised me, and I think it's just that I think there's more hype right now for both the edge and the tackle class, like we've been projecting more and more of them to go. And I think this shook out in a way that actually shows maybe there isn't as much interest in those two positions beyond say the first four at each one. I thought that was interesting. I'll tell you for fit, the one that stood out to me that I'm really impressed with that combination, that's putting Desmond Ritter with Pete Carroll in Seattle. I think that's something that could pay off. I really like that fit there. But the overall winner in this draft for me is the University of Georgia, go dogs, because they got six guys in this first round. Is that what you were expecting? Well, I guess you can think about it that way. I mean, an extremely talented group of guys that won a national title, right? We're able to knock off Alabama, you know, without Jameson Williams and Mechie and, <laughs> and some cornerbacks that they were missing. But nonetheless, they did a terrific job, and I mean, they were stout. They were flying around. We know that they were led by that defense. That was one of the best defenses, if not the best defense, in college football all year. So, you know, the fact that they were able to have this many guys go first round, it shouldn't be surprising at all. That's what winning a national championship will do for you. You know, hey, who knew, right? Big shout out to everybody involved in this year's Ultimate Mock Draft presented by odyssey and the locked on podcast network matt always so fun doing this with you every year we have hosted this for what four straight years now and it keeps getting bigger yeah. and bigger every single year appreciate all the odyssey insiders for jumping in with us on this podcast all the college hosts as well and you know what matt i can't wait to do it again next year <laughs> absolutely yeah good stuff this worked out really really well I'll be honest, when they approached us with such a massive project with so many people, I thought to myself in my back of my head, boy, two or three goofs are going to screw this thing up that don't know what they're doing. But not the case at all. I mean, a really impressive performance by the entire NFL network here, you know? We are surrounded by professionals, Matt, no doubt. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the 2022 Ultimate Mock Draft presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network.